Welcome back to the Becoming CEO podcast, where we decide every single day to become the CEO we were created to be. Over here, we're low-key ratchet and high-key saved, okay? Listen, I know what it feels like to have the hugest to-do list, feel super unclear on what to do next in your business, download all the freebies, and still be stuck at square one. And darling, that's over for you today. Hey boo, I'm Kay Hillman. I'm a scientist turned five-figure photographer turned marketing and business strategist for female service providers building profitable businesses. I'm the coach for confused peeps. Boo thang, it's time to ditch the hustle. Listen close, darling, as I snatch your mindset, clarify your messaging, and drop marketing gems. When you roll with me, you'll gain confidence, clarity, and sales as you become the highest version of your Let's get this money. Hey, boo. Hey, happy Tuesday or whatever day you're listening to this on. So today I'm back with another interview. I'm going to be chatting today with Kimmy Wilkie, and we're going to talk all things trends in marketing and sales that don't work anymore and things that we see people still using and what you can do instead. So first, hey, Kimmy, how are you doing today? Hey, Kay. How are you? Thanks so much for having me on your show. Wonderful. Yes, I'm doing so good. And I'm so glad that we were finally able to connect. We have y'all, y'all know me, me and Cammy have been going back and forth probably for like a few months now, just trying to figure out when we're going to do this episode. But I feel like this is such divine timing because I listened to your podcast and um, this topic is actually something that I've heard you talk about. So I'm really excited for us to dig more into this on the show. So can we just get started and tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do and all the things? Yeah, well, I'm super excited for this topic. It's a really, it's it's gonna be like a little like edgy, which I'm all for. Um, and I can't think of another podcast like that would be better to chat about than like you and I collaborating on this topic. So, um, first off, my name is Cami Wilkie. I'm a faith based high ticket sales coach. So essentially, what I do is I teach other coaches how to create high ticket offers that are irresistible, that stand out from the crowd, and I teach them them sales strategies to sell those offers, not reliant on the algorithm and not reliant on launching. And I really specifically oftentimes work with mothers who are looking to make an income from home so that they can quit their corporate job and come home and be home with their kiddos and be able to work from home, be present for those, those moments that are so precious and they go by so fast as littles grow up. And so we work together to find a way to package her expertise inside of a high ticket offer and then teach her how to sell that. And of course we do this from a biblical perspective. So that's a little bit about me. Yes. I love that so much. And, you know, it just really describes exactly who this audience is and everybody listening. So I'm sure that everybody's going to really connect with that. And as you were talking, um, and like I said, I listened to your podcast. I love your podcast, by the way. Um, and we'll talk about it and we'll plug, plug it below in the notes so that people can go follow and listen to the podcast, your podcast. Um, but something that I wanted to dig into, like, let's just go ahead and, and talk about these uh, trends in marketing and sales that you're seeing. So like, like I said, on your podcast, you've recently talked about these trends that people are doing currently that don't work anymore. Um, and I've really enjoyed that episode because I feel like people are teaching a lot of things in the online space or they're, you know, they're telling people to do certain things. And it's like, okay, guys, this may have worked a few years ago, but right now this does not work. It's not serving people. It's not getting people any closer to their goals or helping them actually grow their business. So I would love for you to maybe share like two or three of those, you know, 
common trends that people are still doing and why we need to stop them and maybe something that we could do instead to, you know, actually grow our businesses. Yes, absolutely. Well, let's start off with one that may feel a little bit obvious. However, okay, I'm this is still happening to me to this day. And that is cold DMs. And not just like the cold DM that's like, hey, oh my gosh, I love your shoes. That's that's totally fine. I don't even think of that as like a cold DM. Sure, you may be messaging somebody that you haven't connected with before, but like that's to me just being social on social media. What I'm talking about is the three paragraph long DM that you know was copy and pasted. They may have not even bothered to change it from, Hey babe, to, Hey, your name. Um, they just chose like a really random word that, um, could be lumped in for a large group of people like, Hey girl, or Hey lady. And they just copy pasted and sent you basically a pitch. And they were either pitching their offer or they were pitching their somebody's like just account and trying to get you to convert in a three paragraph cold DM that showed up in your request box, by the way, didn't even show up in your primary box. And that's how I know you, you may not have even taken the time to look at my page. So cold DMing, let's camp out there for just a quick second. Okay. Do you still get cold DMs? Oh my gosh. When you said that, I was just like over here cracking up because I literally just deleted 14 from my 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 request inbox this morning. Like right before I got on here, I was like, what is going on? And you know what I hate? I hate the ones that are like, hey, omni-channel marketing, because like they don't even take the time to know your name. They just pull the title like from your Instagram. Like, come on guys, what's going on here? Right, right. And you know, first, why did, where did cold DMing even come from? So let's back up because that's going to be like the, the reoccurring theme in this episode is the reason why people are doing cold DMs here now, 2022 is because it used to actually work. Now it used to work several years ago and it was really prior to the online space booming with business. So I want you to think before 2020, before even probably 2017, I mean, or like, like probably even like closer to like a decade ago, cold DMs worked because when people went on Instagram, they weren't flooded with business advertisements, with promotions, with launches the way that they are now. When the average Instagram user went on Instagram, like in 2015, they were mostly just seeing their friends and family's posts. Now, they are just flooded with marketing material, which is not necessarily a bad thing. But if you think back in the day, um, you know, you're all you're seeing is your friends and family's posts. And then all of a sudden you get a DM, which by the way, you never get DMs because you don't make money on the app. Here's something that, that I think coaches, we all have to understand. If our, our, if our ideal client isn't making money on the app and they're just what I call the average Instagram user, which means they have the app and they're not making money on the app. People don't just get DMs. Like that's something that happens to us as we're running our businesses on the app, but the average human does not get a whole lot of DMs. So when they do get a DM and oh my gosh, it's like a paragraph, you know, like when somebody sends you a text message and it's like a paragraph long and you're immediately like drawn in you're like, I have to read this now. This is about to be good. That was the same like emotional effect that cold DMs, especially long ones had on people prior to this like 
flood of business that happened online. And so cold DMs used to be super effective. That's why people did it. It's not like people just came up with a horrible marketing strategy and and it never worked and people kept doing it. No, 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 no. People are doing it because at one time it worked. The problem is now it's been so overdone that people are like annoyed by it and they can see it coming from a mile away. I would love for you to, uh, because, you know, when we start talking DMs, it, it, it can be a little murky because uh, like you said, it used to work and there are ways to do it that aren't as, you know, mm-hmm. ineffective, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm curious of your thoughts about, and I've had this conver- this uh, question come up a lot. I'm curious about your thoughts on yes. is, is sending a DM, like when someone first follows you, okay, what do you have oh, thoughts on that? Oh, yeah. Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. And here's, here's why I think that when somebody comes and follows you, if we were a brick and mortar store, if I owned a boutique, there's a cute little boutique that opened up in my town recently. If I was the owner of that boutique and somebody came through my door and I heard that little doorbell, which is the equivalent of your notification that, oh, so-and-so followed you, I would be rude. <laughs> Maybe not that much, but if they walk into my brick and mortar store, I would, I, I would feel rude if I didn't greet them. Now, I'm certainly not calling you rude if you don't greet your new Instagram followers. Don't hear me wrong. But that is the equivalent of what we're doing when somebody follows us. That's like them coming into our boutique and us saying, hey, how are you? Looking for anything specific? Now, the way we phrase it needs to be really intentional. Let's not jump right into business, but a a casual like, hey, how are you? And actually looking at their page, picking something really unique out from their page and bringing that into the conversation and having a genuine question that is not at all directed towards or couldn't even be perceived as a way of us trying to make a sale off of them. That is very natural human interaction. In fact, I was sending a couple of those messages yesterday because I had gotten behind on sending hello messages to some of my recent followers. And we're, we've developed some amazing conversations happening. The, the key is it can't be static. It has to be genuine and it can't look like the, the DM, like the, you know, like the hello DM that sometimes you'll get from somebody like, Hey, thanks so much for following me. I am an expert in XYZ field. If you have any questions about any of my offers, please let me know. And here's the link to my website. (laughs) That's not do that, but saying, hello, Hey, Katie, how are you? Hey, Oh my gosh. I saw in your Instagram stories, you guys just got back from a vacation. That looks so fun. Where did you go? That's genuine. Yes. And I think also it's to that point, because I feel like that is one of the more hotly debated topics right now in terms of like, oh, should I send that welcome message? Um, And I think, uh, like you said, being really intentional about, okay, let me look at their profile and actually connect with them on something genuine and not, hey, Kay, like, you know, how long have you been a coach or what kind of coach are you? Like, okay, (laughs) you know, this is not quite the conversation I wanted to have this morning or whatever. And it, it does make people feel like, wow, she didn't even take the time to like, actually learn a little bit about me, especially when someone follows you first. Like, you know, I I definitely feel like when people follow you first, you know, it's, it's like you said, not, I'm not calling people rude, but it's like, okay, it's, it's no problem with reaching out and saying, Hey, and that you notice something on their profile just to like get that conversation flowing. So I love that. Um, I would love for you to share um, another one of your, or another trend that you see that is not working anymore and just give us your thoughts on it. 
Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So this trend, it's kind of like a two in one. So we can, we can talk about them individually. We can talk about them lumped up. We'll just see where the conversation goes, but this is a phenomenon that I call posting and hoping. And I know that you know, okay, exactly what I'm talking about. When we make content, (laughs) we put it up and we just sit back, we fold our hands and we just wait for somebody to either click the link in our bio or slide into our DMs. Now, I first off want to say content, not bad, needed, absolutely needed. We need content and telling people about your offers publicly. That's also great business practice. So I'm not, I'm not, um, shouting down, telling people about your offers and I'm not shouting down, creating content. In fact, those are two very needed things. What I am saying that we need to redirect is solely relying on content alone to bring in clientele. So where this came from was, again, you know, if somebody is new to the online space, and what I mean by that is if you became, if you created your Instagram account 2020 or after, you may not know this. So a little just Instagram history lesson. I believe it was, Kay, was it 2019 when the chronological algorithm ended? Yes, 2019. Okay. So if you started your business at any time after 2020 or 2019, you have never known Instagram to not have the algorithm that it does now, which is ever changing. So kind of a weird thing, but we actually used to have a chronological algorithm. And what that meant is that every single one of your followers was almost guaranteed to see your content as long as they just opened up the app and they would see content in a chronological order. So we were all very used to getting lots of views on our Instagram stories, almost as many views as we had followers. And we were very used to getting lots of likes and lots of interaction because our content was guaranteed to be seen by our audience. And so when we posted content and sat back and just like waited for people to come in, that actually was super effective because it was being seen by a larger amount of people and reels were not a thing. Ever since reels have come into the game, which I'm not hating on reels, but ever since reels have come into the game, it has now drawn people's attention away from picture posts and graphics and reading captions. So because of all of these changes, people are spending less time looking at picture photos. I'm not saying that it's bad. I actually only post picture photos, but um, people are spending less time looking at picture photos. They're spending less time reading long captions. And not nearly as many of your followers are actually seeing your content. I think there was a statistic that said um, about 10% average of your following will actually see the content that you post. So because of that, because the audience size that is seeing our content has shrunk down and the way that they're engaging with our content is different, posting and just hoping that clients slide into our DMs or click the link in our bio is no longer an effective strategy. Yes. Um, you said so many good things right there. And I feel like something that happens a lot, and like, like you said, for people that, you know, maybe you started your business in the last couple of years, we don't realize that you we can't just post something and be like, okay, we're all the people. And I, and I feel like this happens a lot when people enter the online space. It's like, oh, you know, I created this content. I posted, I don't have any clients. Um, and I'm curious, what would you recommend people, um, 
combined their posts with? Because I know for me, I usually tell people like, okay, you're posting content, but I truly believe in like a DM strategy and a like Instagram story strategy. So I'm just curious for you, what would you say people should combine their posts with in order to actually be more, what's the word, maybe proactive in gaining clients from social media, whether it's Instagram or or any other platform? Oh my gosh. I could not agree with you more DM strategy, hundred percent. And when I say DM strategy, okay, let me know if your clients at first have this first impression. Whenever I say DM strategy at first, sometimes people are like off put by that because they associate DM strategy with cold pitching. Do you ever hear that? Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) So a DM strategy is not cold pitching. All a DM strategy is, is having genuine conversation with other people that may need your coaching services. So I think of this as like, if I bumped into somebody at a coffee shop and I really loved her shoes, I wouldn't think twice about saying, Hey, I love your shoes. And she wouldn't think that I was trying to sell to her. She would just think, Oh, she's complimenting my shoes. And that would be a genuine interaction, a genuine social interaction. The only difference is that we're not bumping into each other on a coffee shop. We are hanging out in this online space. And so having DM conversations is just like having conversations online the way you would if you had a brick and mortar store. There's really not too many principal differences between having a brick and mortar store and having an online business. Obviously there's like physical differences. There are differences. Absolutely. But, but the conversation, the relationship building, the proactiveness the welcoming people when they come into your boutique, all of those principles still apply online. So 100% pairing a DM strategy is key. And you also said an Instagram story strategy, which I love. So this is like just a quick little Fun fact, if you will. Now, this is a fact that happened prior to Reels. So this may have adjusted slightly after Reels came into the game. But before Reels, Instagram audiences were spending way more time watching Instagram stories than they were flipping through like the statics posts that people saw on their traditional feed. Because again, I can't remember Instagram stories. When I started coaching in 2019, Instagram stories were already a thing. So Instagram stories were like a new phenomenon, like that happened way prior to 2019. But actually before that, there wasn't Instagram stories that happened when Instagram was trying to start competing with Snapchat. I digress, but having an Instagram story strategy, um, a content schedule, a way that you put polls up and engage with your audience and invite them to have two-way dialogue with you, you are probably having more people watch your Instagram stories than people that are seeing your grid posts on the daily. So if you want to connect with, with more of your audience members, posting to your Instagram story in addition to a DM strategy and in addition to posting to your grid is super key. Yes. And you know, it's so funny. I, I was just sitting here uh, Googling. That's what took me a second to like come back in, but I was just Googling Instagram stories came out in 2017. I believe that <laughs> I feel so old to say this, but I think I started my business before Instagram stories was actually, a thing, <laughs> which is I so funny. It. Um, 
And, and so interesting um, because it just goes to show how trends and how different things evolve and change over time, which I feel like is the entire point of what we're talking about. And when you were just talking about the whole, you know, posting and, and, and hoping for the best, like that's that's so true how many people fall into that trap. And I always say it's only in the online space, you know, for us coaches and service providers and stuff like only here in the online space do we feel like it's OK to live in this bubble of, oh, I'm just going to wait for people to come to me and I'm not going to talk to them. I'm just going to wait for them to magically buy my offers. And it's like, that doesn't happen in the real world, like in the real world of of business and entrepreneurship where people are going into stores or people are even shopping online, right? When we're shopping for things online, there may be like a little chat feature for you to talk with a sales associate or different things. Like like there are different ways that you can engage with brands and, you know, talk to, you know, representatives and people at companies and whether you go into a store. And so I just think it's so interesting in the online space, how we try to act like that's not the way things are done. And we try to act like, oh, we we can just post something and expect clients to come in, especially high ticket clients to come in and us not have to do anything to really serve and build that relationship with them. So I love that you mentioned this point because I feel like um, lately I've been talking so much about, hey, you know, let's stop focusing so hard on this content calendar and really focus on building those relationships and prioritizing building those relationships and having conversations and having genuine connections with people instead of just trying to post our stuff. And then, like you said, hope <laughs> that a client will come through and, and click the link in your bio. Right. Oh my gosh. You said so many good things there. And I was thinking about the example, like if, if I don't know about you, but like I live in a small town and if, if there was going to be a new business popping up in our small town, a steakhouse, for example, we have a steakhouse that's going to be coming in. If that steakhouse owner wanted to earn the love and affection and have some marketing in the town, the best thing that he could do is go door to door and shake hands with people. He has nothing to sell them yet. It's not, he didn't bring his steaks with him. He like, he didn't, he, he, he's going to be opening up the restaurant soon, but going and shaking hands with people in the community that are within the area that he is looking to serve is probably the number one thing that he could do that, that is tedious. Let's be honest. It does take time to have conversations. It would take time for that person to go door to door and knock. but I guarantee you that a huge percentage of those people would eventually go check out the steakhouse. It's the same thing in the online space. We cannot expect to just post content, sit back and and just people come to us. And, and, um, it's a little bit of an, of like, like a spirit of entitlement (laughs) and I'm not calling anybody entitled, but like, that's, I think at the core, really what's happening here or, insecurity where we don't want to like overstep anything. We don't want making it make anybody feel like we're trying to be pushy. And so we, we would just feel better if people came to us, but you're so right. Kay, that like, if we had a brick and mortar business or a different type of online store, people would be doing advertisements. They'd be doing marketing. They would be doing all this stuff in order to bring attention that, Hey, this new business is alive and it exists because people cannot invest in something that they do not know exists. And I'm not telling you to go run ads or anything, but it may behoove you to go virtually shake hands with the people that you're hoping to maybe someday do business with. 
Oh my gosh. Yes. You're using the exact words that I've used before. Like it is a sense of entitlement. And, and a lot of times it's like a little bit of fear, you know? And, and I think you said this at the very beginning where you were like, have a, has, have I ever had someone say like, you know, that it's, it's uncomfortable, like it's uncomfortable to, you know, send out DMs and, and say, Hey, because especially with the stigma sometimes that comes around with the Hey girl message that even when you're trying to be genuine, sometimes somebody will still take it the wrong way. And that's, okay right like we can't control everyone's feelings about us sending a hello or a welcome message but like you said it's our virtual handshake right because we're not you know most of us are not meeting up in in person and able to tell you know the people that follow us or the people that connect with us hi right like we can only do that here on these apps and you know in 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 a virtual setting and so we have to you know go about and and have those conversations. So I love that you are saying this because it is a sense of entitlement to think that our content is enough. And it's not, like you said, it's not saying that we shouldn't create content or, you know, that we need to go run ads so that more people can see our offers. It's not about that. It's about genuinely building connections. And I mean, I, I know you're a high ticket salesperson just like I am. And it's like, especially when it comes to high ticket sales, I just, I truly believe that we content is not enough. You know, content is not enough, especially in those first, you know, I would say like three to five years of building your business. Content is just not enough. We can't just post something and hope that a $3,000 client or a 10, you know, definitely not a $10,000 client is going to come just from this one post, you know, and I feel like also people don't create content consistently enough to do that in the first place. It's like, you know, at a certain point, maybe you have built up that authority, you have built up that expertise and, and it's really not just your content. I think people don't realize that even if someone does buy your offer from your content, it's never just your content. It's, it's usually like, maybe they saw someone else that they trust share your content. And so that built that built up that credibility and that authority for you. It's not just like, oh, this person saw this one post and boom, now they're ready to buy. Like, you know? <laughs> right, right, absolutely, absolutely. And like you said, it, you're not gonna feel like you have to, virtually handshake every single person forever. Eventually your business is going to grow. You're going to have a team. You, like you said, you've built authority, you've built an audience, you've built trust. And so don't think that you have to go door to door and like virtually shake hands forever, but you are going to have to do it in the early season. And I would even venture to say that that is what separates coaches that make it to the next level and coaches that do not make it to the next level. Not to say that everybody is looking to have 10, $15,000 months. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. But I know that coaches who do take the time to go out and like virtually shake hands with their audiences and take the time to go virtually shake hands with people who are not yet following them, like understanding where to go find your ideal client, even if they're not currently following you, that's key. The coaches that take time to do that, those are the coaches that their business is still here five years from now. Okay. I don't know if you've recognized this and in the back of my mind, I'm like, I know that she has because I, you and I are very similar. We have we're in a very similar niche, but I feel like I see coaches come and then go. And especially like in the pandemic, like I, there were some coaches that I looked up to so much. And then I would think to myself, man, I haven't seen them post for a while. And I go to their page and it looks like a ghost town. And, you know, 
a whole bunch of crazy things were happening during the pandemic. So I do not judge anybody um, at all or, or, you know, <laughs> don't blame anybody for wanting to take a step back a little bit. But what I feel like I'm finding is that coaches are starting in the space and either they don't have the right strategy or they're not doing it consistently. And then they're getting discouraged when they don't see the results come in when they think they're supposed to. And because this is an online space, an online business, it's not like we have too much to compare it to because the coaching space is still relatively new. Like when we compare it to like the engineering field or like the medical field or accounting field, the coaching space is very, very new. We're still like amongst the first people that are getting into this industry. And if so, we're all still trying to like pave a path, if you will. We're all still trying to kind of figure out how this happens. Oh, and by the way, there's this algorithm, the social media that's constantly changing. Other industries don't have it like that. So because of all these factors, we're all still trying to figure it out. And what I feel like I'm seeing is that when coaches don't figure it out, and when I say figure it out, when I when I see them not getting the clients and not making the money that they want to within usually like a two-year time period, after that, I usually see them fizzle out. Do you see that, Kay? Yes, I definitely. When you were talking, I was like, wow, you're so right. Like I, there were quite a few people, like you said, that I really looked up to their business model and how they were doing things. And then, you know, like you said, life happened, you know, whether it was the pandemic, whether it was just something else. And all of a sudden, you know, now they are they're done. You know, um, a lot of people went and got jobs, which there's nothing wrong with that. Like I, I talk a lot about like, Hey, go get a job. Like if you need a job, go get a job. Like it's totally fine. And if you want a job, right, go get a job. So there's nothing wrong with that. But like you said, I feel like when people don't have a proper strategy and they are kind of resting on that, the, the strategy or the trend of, okay, all I need to do is post and I'll get a bunch of likes, a bunch of follows, blah, blah. Like when, when you're just relying on that as the strategy, relying just on, oh, I'm, I'm creating content. When that is the only part of the strategy, it will lead you to not getting the result you want and the time period that you are quote unquote expecting it, which leads to you feeling, you know, some type of way. And leading to your business not actually growing the way that you want it to. And uh, like you said, I feel like um, that... I feel like that is the biggest problem that a lot of people have. And I think you're right on the money with that two-year mark. It's like that two-year mark is when people start to really feel the heat. And it's like, mm, you know, something, something's got to give, something's not working. And so I love that you're talking about this because I hope this is able to encourage someone before they get to that point to, okay, let's pick a different strategy. Like let's add something else. It's not saying don't create content or, you know, that your content is not good enough or it's not good at all. It's just to say like, hey, we can't just rest on posting something and expecting to get clients. And, and that, that even goes as far as like creating podcasts, creating YouTube videos, right? We can't just expect to create a piece of content and think that's going to bring in all the clients because a year from now, two years from now, when the algorithms change and, you know, God knows what else happens, you know, that that's not going to be enough. Like, it's just, it's simply not enough. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And to your point of like, you know, posting the content. Yes, it's necessary. The other thing that was coming to my mind, um, which when I was saying earlier, there's kind of two lumped into one category is the launching. Now, again, I'm not anti-launching. I think that publicly telling people about your offer is actually very, very good marketing. But what the way that I was taught launching originally several years ago was we create the offer we do a little market research. I mean, you you just briefly touch on market research. And then you create the offer. And then you create all this 
content. You maybe start a Facebook group for a five-day challenge. And then you throw up a blast day of the, the Facebook challenge. You tell people about your offer and then you throw the link up and then you post content that hits on like four or five different buying behaviors for about a week. And then you just hope that people buy within that week. I am not anti-launching. Again, when I think of launching, I think launching in and of itself is just simply telling people that you have something to sell them. And I think that is very, very smart. What I am against is the posting and hoping launch strategy. Again, that's kind of like the two coming into one. Um, It's when we are duct taping together an offer that we never actually verified by doing market research. And we just throw it up on our Instagram story and hope that people will buy. And here's something really interesting, Kay, that I'm seeing. I'd love to get your feedback on this. Um, I previously was only ever taught how to sell via launching. And that was the only selling tool that I had in my tool belt. And so when I did a launch, and which by the way, took me like three weeks to even prepare for, and then I did, and I was expected to get, to get like 10 clients at like $2,000 a piece. I was supposed to make like $20,000 from that launch. And, and I maybe got one, then all of a sudden I'm panicking because I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't get the clients that I thought I didn't make the money that I thought I have a mortgage to pay next month. And so what people do, if they only know how to sell via launching is they hurry up, they turn around. They're like, well, I can't launch the same thing next week that I just launched last week. They literally change the wrapping paper. They change the name. They try and duct tape something together, throw it up in their Instagram stories. And that's where you're seeing people do multiple, like 27 launches in a year. Like, and maybe that's an exaggeration, but if you are seeing somebody launch something like every three weeks, I'm not saying that, that they didn't have a successful launch before they very well may have. But what I'm seeing is that the reason why people are launching like every three weeks or so is because maybe they didn't get the results that they thought they were going to get from the last launch. And so they're trying to hurry up, duct tape something together to get clients and make money quick. Oh, okay. Yes to all of this. I definitely was taught like launching was the only way. And um, I I had several launches in the very beginning where, you know, I was, I, I, like you said, I thought I was going to get this certain number and then I got one or two and it left me, it left me in this frantic mode of, okay, I need money, right? Because the launch didn't go the way it was supposed to, you know, quote unquote, didn't go the way it's supposed to. So now, you know, I need clients and I felt like I feel like when launching is your only um, method of getting clients, it does put you in this awkward position of not having cash flow when you actually need it and not knowing how to sell one-off offers consistently, right? And something else that I also notice is um, a lot of coaches like to teach launch, you know, launching and launch models, and it completely leaves out a service provider. So a lot of my audience were, were hybrid, right? We may have services and we have, um, you know, coaching offers or consulting. And I feel like something while service providers can launch, and I mean, I've launched things as a service provider. Um, it's just so much nicer. Like it just feels so much better to know that at any time I could sell and sign a client, right? I don't have to wait for my next cohort. Someone doesn't have to wait for, you know, X, Y, and Z to open up. It's like, no, there's always an opportunity to work with me. And I feel like launches get us stuck in a cycle of outside of this time period, maybe we won't be making any money. And I feel like that's why people see that yo-yo income, right? Because we're launching and we're relying on this huge cash influx. And then the next month, you know, maybe it, I'm not going to say it goes completely down, but it kind of stabilizes. And maybe it's just like these monthly recurring payments, but 
a lot of times monthly recurring payments, you know, depending on how people do it, it's not a lot of money. So you're having this really great month and then this really low month or the launch flops and now you are stressed, like you said, and having to launch something else. And I think for me, I see kind of two different things when it comes to people launching a bunch of offers. Either they're launching over and over and over again because it's not going the way it should, or they're launching over and over and over again. And I'm not going to say that it's out of like not in integrity, but I feel like it's a lot of let me just grab as much money as possible, right? Like I just want to, you know, get as much money from, you know, I'm going to launch every single masterclass known to man and, you know, try to grab every single dollar, you know, because maybe their bubble will burst and people will see like, there's not a real foundation underneath. And it's no judgment to that camp of people, but I have seen that happen. So it's kind of like two different wheelhouses for me. And, you know, I'm just curious to see if you've noticed like that other wheelhouse of like, mm, <laughs> I'm not sure why you have all these offers because it's really not necessary. <laughs> right, right. They'll have like a product suite that is, each offer is very different and that's a great practice. Like if you are going to have a product suite, making sure that you don't have competing offers, um, but launching just for the sake of launching you're right. Like we have to make sure that we know why we're doing, like what's, what's the real motivation behind why we're putting this offer out there. And, yes. you know, like, again, to like reiterate, like I'm not anti-launching, like launching the concept of launching is to make your audience aware that you have something to sell them. That is excellent marketing. People cannot invest in something that they do not know exists. The way that we're going about launching the posting and hoping part of launching, that's what I'm coming for. And to your point of having more tools in your tool belt so that launching isn't the only way and you don't have this like wave. Like when people see that those inconsistent sales months, it could be because due to launching, you know, if you're launching something in January and you don't have another launch planned until April, well then I hope you made enough money in January to get you by the next three months. And if you didn't, like many of us, like if we experienced a flopped launch, which by the way, there are industry leaders, people with like hundreds of thousands of followers that have admitted that the launching strategy is maybe not quite as effective as before. Okay. So this is not just like, like a me thing. This is not just like Sally down the street that like has like 5,000 followers or less. This is like, everybody is experiencing this to some degree. And all I'm saying is let's have more tools in our tool belt so that we have a variety of ways that we know how to get clients, how to make money and how to present our offer to somebody. Yes, yes, yes. And I think just to kind of like bring all this kind of full circle, especially with like the launching and the posting and hoping, I, I, I do really like I'm a huge launch person. Like I'm, I'm a huge advocate of launching. I enjoy launching, um, but at the end of the day, and I think this is a common theme with just all the different, um, you know, all the trends that you've mentioned and all the different things we've kind of talked about, it just, it can't be the only way, you know, right. it just, it can't be the only way because it does get us in this cycle of not having that consistency, but also not having the muscle to actually know how to sell outside of launches. Um, because I have seen some people who all they do is launch. So in those in-between times, if, if the launch doesn't go well, you're trying to figure out, okay, can I do a launch next month? Because I'm trying to like make this money. And it just puts you in this really desperate energy um, that doesn't feel good. Like it doesn't feel good. And it doesn't, it, it, it makes business not fun. And it also translates to your community and to the people that are watching. And it, it does send like this weird mixed message that 
maybe you're not in it to actually serve them, which at the end of the day, as believers, as Christians, like we are, we are here to serve others. You know, yes, we're, we're going to be richly compensated for it, but like, we're here to serve others. And I feel like sometimes that whole launch and, you know, we're just posting just to be posting or posting, you know, in hopes that people will buy from us. Like that's not really the energy of servitude that can be reciprocated or, or, or that can be compensated in a way that you feel, or, you know, like, okay, I'm actually showing up and serving people in this capacity and I'm, I'm going to be compensated for it, or I'm showing up in this capacity and I'm going to have these successful launches, right? There's nothing wrong with having a launch strategy, but I feel like we have to have other tools and other ways to make money, right? There's no, no there's nothing wrong with, you know, um, sending welcome messages, right? There's nothing wrong with sending out DMs. There's nothing wrong with posting. Like I, I tell people all the time, all the strategies work if you work them, right? If you work them the right way. And I feel like this is just kind of what we're coming back to of these strategies, they don't work anymore, but it, it, but they do work in a sense if you tweak them, right? Like if you tweak them. So yes, you can launch, but let's launch with intention. You know, let's do some other things. Let's make sure that you have a strategy where you can sell at any time so that your, your business actually makes money. So I love that you shared this. And I mean, I love your podcast so much and I love how just authentic and real you are in talking about these things. And something that I wanted to just touch on just briefly, if you have a second, um, because I, I know a little bit about your own personal journey and something that I like to talk about or that I've lately been talking about is like the Esther moment, you know, um, and the moment in your business or the moments because we have multiple <laughs> breakdown moments and things in your business. But I would love for you to kind of share a time with us or maybe just share how you navigate showing up and serving well. And I feel like in everything that you've talked about, underlying of your whole message is servitude, like of actually serving people. Of course, you're getting paid, right? Of course, you're being paid well. But I, I think at the core of your message, I see this happen a lot, and it's really beautiful, is the act of service, the act of connecting, the act of having conversations. But I want to know, like, how do you navigate that when maybe you are personally struggling or, you know, like, where have you, see, where have you thought to yourself, like, man, like, God, I have no clue. I don't see where you are in this, but I'm trusting you. Like, what, what's a, what's an experience that you've had with that? And maybe how do you navigate maybe those, those seasons where it may be harder for you to, you know, post content or connect with people or different things like that? Right. Oh, what a great question. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to try and, you know, make this in a, uh, a, a timely manner. Cause you and I could talk about this for probably like two hours. So, um, if you listen to my podcast, if you follow me on Instagram, if you don't, um, would love to connect with you. But what I talk a lot about on my podcast specifically is the fact that my husband and I have been trying to have a child for over three years. And so we're, we've been dealing with infertility and we're currently walking through an adoption right now, which we're very excited about. We're not matched yet, but we are working with an agency and we're very hopeful and thankful that um, on the other side of this, we're going to have a growing family. That being said, though, we have to acknowledge that that infertility, the adoption world are both very profitable in industries. They're very um they're, they, uh, it, it, it's not a few dollars to treat infertility. It's not just a couple dollars to walk through a domestic infant adoption. This is something that is costing us tens of thousands of dollars to have one child. And we have a goal of having like six to eight children. And 
Last year, prior to me announcing that we were going to be adopting, we were doing a lot of behind the scenes work. We were getting the home study done, filling out paperwork, background checks, finger like fingerprints, all the things. And I was starting to feel so burnt out. And what I realized like in my prayer time is that I wasn't burnt out on my business. I was burnt out on every other area of my life. And I felt like I had only drops of energy, energy to show up in my business. And something dawned on me that I'm so glad the Lord gave me this revelation. One thing that was really stressful for me is like, Lord, like this is costing us tens of thousands of dollars. How do you expect us to pay for this? I mean, we make money. Yes. But like the cost, like when you add up this whole journey, I mean, it's getting to like astronomical numbers. How do you expect us to pay for this? Lord, like you said, you're, you're my provider. And the revelation that he gave me was that yes, the Lord is our provider. And sometimes as Christians, I think we can get into this headspace of when we think God is our provider, sometimes I think that we expect to wake up one day and oh my gosh, there's all of a sudden $20,000 in our bank account. And I'm not saying that that can't happen. There are miracles that happen. Absolutely. There's like anonymous donations for sure. But more times than not, I believe that the way that the Lord is providing us for us is through the works of our hands. For example, I believe that the way that the Lord is providing for our infertility journey, for our adoption journey, and for every child after this is through the vehicle of my business and the vehicle of the career that, that my husband has. And it's a less um, sparkly way of thinking of God providing. Cause when we think of God providing again, like I, in my brain, I have like this, like stork coming in with like a, the basket and just dropping like, like the wads of cash that we need to, in order to pay for this journey. And that has not been what it's like at all. It's been the Lord providing through stewardship, through working this business through being really intentional about the income we get and like, where do we put our dollars through Lucas's career that he gets up every morning and, and goes to work by like six 30. Like that is the way that the Lord's been providing for us in this challenging season. And it's so beautiful. It's so, it's so hard, but it's so refining that the business gets to be the vehicle in which the way that the Lord provides. And so I, I say that because I hope I want to encourage women that like, let's not toss away the vehicle for which God was going to provide for the season of life in which you really needed it. Okay. That's why if you feel that you have, the Lord has laid it on your heart to start a business, honey, it may be for more than just a few extra dollars in your bank account to go on vacation. It, it absolutely, the Lord says to like, enjoy the, the fruit of your labor and go on the vacation, buy the, the, the really beautiful purse, but also don't reject the vehicle for which he's trying to provide for a season, in which you're going to need it because it doesn't look the way that you thought it would. Whoa. I feel like that was like the perfect way to end this. And I feel like you are a, a great example of just like that stewardship and watching your journey um, and seeing how God has provided for you in this season. Now he's continuing to provide for you, even if it may be a lot and overwhelming and 
tiresome. And so I just love that you really talk about these things. And so um, I don't think I can do it any justice of just exp explaining like all the things that I have learned and, and pulled from your podcast from. I mean, I just recently listened to your um, episode where you talked about like how to be a better wife to your husband. And it, I was like, wow, this is like really insightful. Like I never thought about this, um, you know, and how sometimes like our business can, you know, kind of get in the way of how we show up in our marriages. And I feel like you're a great example of just like showing the overall uh, stewardship and how our businesses are an extension of our ministry, but also how God literally provides for us, right? Like you said, do do I wish that he would drop a boatload of cash in front of me, you know, with a stork? Of course, right? But um, he's also giving me uh, the vehicle, right? He's giving me exactly what I need. And so I, I really like appreciate you for saying it like that because I feel like sometimes we forget that part. Um, but I would love for you to share with us like how we can connect with you further. Um, please plug your podcast because y'all like the podcast is really, really good. Um, but, you know, just plug your podcast, your social media. Let us know how we can connect with you. Okay. Thank you so much. I've loved this conversation. I've loved getting to know you. And so, and thank you for listening to the show and for your street words. So um, my podcast is called the Bibles, Babies and Business Podcast. And you can come also hang out with me on Instagram. My handle is at cami.wilkie. We do two episodes a week on the show. Um, our Monday episode is really tangible business tactical. That's where we're talking sales strategy, marketing, all those things. And then on Thursdays, we do our Bible study breakdown episodes where we move through the Bible in chronological order and we pull a passage from each book, glean the principles and ask ourselves how we can apply this to our everyday life. So I would love to hang out with you on both of those. I love it. Thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you so much for having me, Kay. Thanks so much for tuning in. Don't forget to follow me on the gram at Mrs. K Hillman and let me know you're picking up what I'm putting down. Take a screenshot of you listening to this podcast and share it in your stories and leave a young thug a review so I know it's real. May you walk in your purpose and call in each and every day to become the CEO and woman you were designed to be. Until next time, let's get this money.